Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and it is December 21st, otherwise known as the Winter Solstice, so we carved out a sliver of the shortest day of the year to come and talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins, hopefully Once we start moving back towards summer now that we're going to officially get more daylight day after day, everybody's spirits will be a little bit chippier and the Pittsburgh Penguins will be in a little bit of a better mood as they try to continue to win, especially tonight against a team that they haven't done so against since 2022, the Carolina Hurricanes on a third Jersey Thursday. But we have plenty to talk about on today's episode. Evgeny Malkin bouncing back and that's where we're going to start this episode but we will also talk a little bit about Jake Gensel potentially being on the trade market at some point this season and Kyle Dubas talking with Josh Getzoff on the GM show yesterday a lot about the Penguins defense we'll dive into some of what he said as well but like I mentioned let's start with Evgeny Malkin because he's had his up and downs this season he started red hot with 17 points in the first 14 games of the season then as we mentioned on here several times he struggled for the next 11 games scoring only four points two of those being goals and one of them being an empty net goal at that but he's found his footing in recent games Horwat, what have you thought about his performance over the last few weeks he's, he's had very Evgeny Malkin performances he's definitely collected some points here and there um I'm sure we have the numbers that can be pulled up in any second. Uh, the numbers have started to kind of pull themselves back into normalcy, uh, but he's also still taking a ton of penalties, still taking a ton of lazy shifts that you don't ideally want to see, especially whenever um, you know the team's still hovering around 500. And by a ton of lazy shifts, I don't mean a ton. You know what I mean. I mean every so often, and it is blatantly obvious when it happens that you don't forget it, that he has one of those Evgeny Malkin shifts where the effort might not be at 100% that um, maybe he just kind of misses something by about a half an inch and it's the end of the shift for him. It is it is what it is with Evgeny Malkin. We're getting exactly what we knew we would get from him. He, we're seeing the production. We're also seeing a lot of the negative sides of his game. But, I mean, for what it's worth, in these last few games, he's um, been finding the back of the net. He's been excelling a little more he and his line mates have been 
hitting getting back into a stride that they've been missing since October, it feels. You mentioned the penalties. Evgeny Malkin has 10 penalty minutes in the last two games, all minors as well. He didn't take a fighting major, so he has five minor penalties in the last two games. And I think it's the opposite of that. When you see Evgeny Malkin taking those penalties, sometimes it's the lazy stick check. But the last couple of games, it seemed like not as much the lazy stick check. More so, one, some pretty light refereeing on the part of both the referees from Saturday's game and Monday's game. But also, to me, it shows that he's playing engaged when he doesn't have the puck. And that's when Evgeny Malkin's at his best. And you can tell, yes, he's always going to look pretty decent or at the very least, you know, good whenever he has the puck because he enjoys when he has the puck he likes to create in the offensive zone he's thrived on that puck possession his entire career but when he doesn't have the puck is when a lot of the detractors point to as Evgeny Malkin having not a complete game when he's taking those penalties not all the time but I think in these last couple of games when he's taking those penalties it's showing you that he is engaged in the game even when he doesn't have the puck and that's always a good sign for Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, it is. I think, I mean, like like we said before, we can pretty much throw the Toronto game out the door. But yeah. taking three penalties there, as soft or as legitimate as they may have been, um, he still took three penalties in that game. And I think that's where a lot of the probably where a lot of the negativity for me came from is that that Toronto game is still kind of a cloud, right? It's still gonna sit around for a little bit more. They're gonna want to um, extinguish the flame that was created in Toronto. They got off to a decent enough start of it against Minnesota. I mean, you can't blow a three a three nothing lead like that, though. Let's be nope. honest. Um, and he took two more there, and again, soft calls for sure. But I, I mean, regardless, you're right though. He is still getting back, getting himself into the game, and he's taking those certain penalties. But he is recording at the same time. That's what makes him so of Genny Malkin, and you know it's pretty baseline almost for him that he's going to produce at this level but also sit out for a decent amount of minutes but um hey you know what again the production is what matters this penalty killing unit is getting better with Noel Chari back on the ice so there's some positives to be taken from certain areas and I mean if Kenny Malkin I think his line mates have a lot to do with it too yeah, earlier in the season when you looked at what Evgeny Malkin was doing, that was the most complete we've seen Malkin play in a long time. And there was a lot of people, us included, saying, hey, he's playing responsible in the defensive zone. He's getting back. He's really working hard in his own zone, which he was. And I think that's a testament to what he came into with the mindset this season. But that's a hard style to play for any age age group, but especially 37 years old, somebody that's had some hard miles like Evgeny Malkin, and yeah, it wore him down a little bit, not to mention the fact that Ricard Raquel was struggling, and then Ricard Raquel went out, and he started to get a revolving door on the right side, he's still trying to build chemistry on the left side, so Evgeny Malkin did have that drought, but it seems, as you've mentioned, that the points are starting to come back, the goal came back on Monday, obviously a big one for Evgeny Malkin, maybe that sparked something, I mean, shout out to Valtteri Pustin for that pass, but Five points in the last five games for Evgeny Malkin. One goal and four assists. And it's all been since Valtteri Pustinen joined Evgeny Malkin on the Pittsburgh Penguins' second line. It seems to have revitalized him a little bit. And it seems to have pulled Evgeny Malkin 
out of his slump. Now, whether that is because of Valtteri Pustin, the way that he's played, it allows other things to open up for Malkin. It makes the game easier for Malkin. Or maybe it's just something clicked with Malkin getting a young player like Pustin on his line. And he said, all right, you know what? Let's build something here. And he likes the way Pustin plays. He was very complimentary of him yesterday following practice. We actually have a clip here, courtesy of one Nick Horwat of Evgeny Malkin praising Valtteri Pustin yesterday after Penguins practice at PPG Paints Arena. Uh, I'm not saying much to him, like he know everything, I mean, uh, this guy is like really good, you know, he's like uh, growing so fast, I think, and he's growing like every game, like we see like uh, he have more confidence right now, and like, again, like uh, we try like uh, talk each other in practice, we try like uh, help him like uh, face up, you know, like, and like, again, this guy like know everything. Is everyone excited for his first goal to finally come in? I try to help to him, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's my job, and uh, last game, uh, we were, like, yeah, breakaway, but he passed to me, like, empty net, you know. Maybe he shoot and score, but, and these guys have lots of skills, you know, lots of, like, vision, and again, like, if I have a chance, I pass to him for sure. That's Evgeny Malkin talking about new linemate Valtteri Pustin, who's been the talk of the town since Monday's game where Pustin put in two assists. And you talked about, or he talked about, I should say, that goal that Malkin was able to score on Monday. Wide open net because Pustin coming down on a partial breakaway. Malkin was joining him on the rush. And he defers to Malkin. It's a wide open net. Malkin gets his first goal since November 28th in Nashville. That was a huge goal for Evgeny Malkin. Now, I don't think that that was going through the mind of Valtteri Pustin, but at a young age, at 24 years old, like Valtteri Pustin is, to know to defer. He didn't defer to Malkin just because it's Evgeny Malkin and he needed a goal. He deferred to Malkin because he knew that that was, that was a surefire goal if he got that pass across. Now... Would you want to see him defer every single time? No, but I think that's what we're seeing in Pustin and Malkin is they're knowing when to pass to each other and they're starting to get a really good feel for each other. And similar to what we saw with Riley Smith, it seems like Pustin and Malkin and Smith are all starting to get right on the same page very quickly, something that is kind of crazy considering Smith and Malkin, great chemistry off the bat. They still had the chemistry, but they, they kind of struggled a little bit. But getting Pustin in there, it seems like it's brought that trio together, not just Malkin, but also Smith as well getting a goal on Monday night. Yeah, it's pushed them in the right direction. It's 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 really proving just how smart Pustin is, Pustin is uh, at this game. Mike Sullivan can't stop talking about his hockey sense and hockey IQ and just mm-hmm. how much... Um, you know, how much of a hockey brain he has and how smart he is with the game. And that play in of itself really proved it. That pass to Malkin, he could have taken the shot himself again. Like everyone was asking, he's still looking for that first goal at the NHL. Clearly, whenever you have that much potential and have that much skill and have a great shot, you know, you're six, seven, you know, he's not there yet. But once you get to like six, seven, eight games in, you start really start to wonder when it's going to happen. He, I mean, sometimes a young player will just rifle, rifle, rifle everything they can. Uh, just to get that one and really then start opening the game up a little more. Pustinen's such a smart player, though, that he's not worried about and letting it hold him back from helping the team succeed in the right ways by making a pass like that. He could have absolutely shot it. It's not like it was a very contested play. There was a defenseman back, but he wasn't fully engaged. It was just Pustin and Malkin against uh, not noted, not Marc-Andre Fleury, which... We didn't even discuss on Tuesday, but I don't think we need to no. anymore. Um, no. But it was it was an opportunity where Pustin could have just taken the shot and see if he could beat him outright, but 
He made the smart play with the pass, and that forechecking ability is also off the charts too for Pustin. And in the uh, in the Riley Smith goal against, uh, was that also? Was that also Minnesota, or am I getting? Yeah, he scored a goal in Minnesota against Minnesota, yep. where Pustinen set it up by that forecheck. It's uh, it's been a long week, but also a short week. I just don't didn't remember what game that was. But yeah, just it's not like Pustinen was really attempting to get the pass there, but uh, sometimes it's just how things work. He just was poke checking it away from a defender. Riley Smith may, maybe happened to be there, maybe was expecting something like that. Regardless, it was. A great play on both ends, both Riley Smith and Valtteri Pustin, and it shows that um, there's a good battery there. There's a good, you know, good group of a good trio of uh, players for this Penguins second line, and uh, Valtteri Pustin seems to be fueling quite a bit of a fire and bringing some good, bringing some good youthful energy to a room full of non-youthful guys. Yeah, and and Evgeny Malkin has reaped the rewards of Evgeny Malkin. Again, we're saying this as if, you know, Pustinen has brought Malkin back to life. It certainly seems that way when you see him go on the line and Malkin goes five points in five games. But Malkin is really, you know, starting to drive play a little bit more as well. He's performed very well throughout most of the last couple of, of weeks. And then you look at his underlying numbers as well. They've, they've seen a bump at two. 50% of the shot attempts, he saw a 3% bump since Pustinen joined the line. The Penguins' second line has outscored opponents three to one at five on five, whereas over the previous eleven games they were scored, they had scored three and given up four. So already tied five games in to what they had eleven games prior. Fifty-seven percent of the expected goals, which is an eight percent bump for the second line and for Evgeny Malkin, and a fifty-five point four one scoring chances percentage, which is a six percent bump for Evgeny Malkin. So all metrics going in the right direction since Valtteri Pustinen joined Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith. And I think that Pustinen deserves a lot of credit, certainly, and we're giving that to him and have over the last couple of episodes. But I think that goes to Evgeny Malkin, too, being able to notice that, hey, it's time to go. It was after that Tampa Bay game where a lot of people were upset about the Pittsburgh Penguins' effort, the second Tampa Bay game where they lost. He played well in Florida. He played well last week against Arizona, Montreal was a weird game where certain aspects of the game were, were okay. Most of it was Crosby and Gensel in the power play at that point. Then there was Saturday, and then there's Tuesday where the second line was phenomenal all night long. So they're starting to get, play a little bit better, and it's certainly something you're going to have to monitor to see how that relationship between Malkin and Pustin grows. Because as you saw at the end of that clip with Evgeny Malkin, he said, all right, now I, it's my job. I need to start getting him goals too. So it's it's a partnership that is very young when it comes to how experienced they are together. Five games of experience together is not a whole lot, but tonight's going to be a big test because they're going up against a team that is very deep. You're always going to have a tough matchup. The The Carolina third, Hurricanes third line is one of the best lines in hockey with Stahl and Martinook and Fast. So it's going to be a difficult test for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can Malkin and Pustin, not just tonight, but going forward, continue to build off of what they've set off here in the first five games. And I think a big part of that is going to be Pustin, but a big part of that is also Malkin. And the Penguins getting Malkin back to where he needs to be, slowly starting to get there, is a huge thing for this team because they're not going anywhere without Evgeny Malkin. And I think everybody knows that that's a pretty clear statement. Oh, for sure. They're going to need Evgeny Malkin just as much as they're going to need everyone else on this lineup to step up in the right way. If Without Evgeny Malkin, honestly, especially at this this point in their careers, uh, it's you know vitally important. Yeah, he had a great season last year and they missed the playoffs, but I think clearly that shows what they need from 
a the core and b their their backing band. They need they're gonna need Crosby to have the season he's having on pace for fifty goals and ninety plus points again. Evgeny Malkin's gonna have to find that rhythm to really get himself back at least a point per game, maybe maybe a little under is fine. And Crystal Tang is still rolling. I don't think there's too much we need to say about Crystal Tang. Finding the right group around those three, Eric Carlson's going to be fine. Uh, Jake Gensel's leading the team in points. He's doing perfectly okay. We'll get to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. But you know, finding those proper guys around them, around the core to boost this team into the stratosphere is exactly what they need, and they're getting it from Valtteri Pustin. They're getting it from Riley Smith again. Um, this is a great thing to see all around. Yeah, you got to love when Evgeny Malkin starts to ramp things up because then you know it's going to be very entertaining. Uh, you know what? You saw the reaction when he scored that goal. He was very excited. Like I said, first goal he scored since November 28th. It, it didn't seem like he had gone that long without a goal, but it, it, he had. So good for him. Hopefully that kicks off maybe a hot streak here. We saw it happen for the Pittsburgh Penguins power play last week. They've been red hot since. Maybe that starts to happen for Evgeny Malkin. Maybe he starts to score some goals on the power play. He has a couple assists in the last three games. Has yet to, to tickle the twine since the power play started to get going again, but you know we'll keep an eye on Evgeny Malkin, we'll keep an eye on Valtteri Pustin, and we'll keep an eye on a very pivotal second line for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's move over to talk a little bit about the trade market because a certain Pittsburgh Penguins winger that you just mentioned has found himself on the trade targets list of The Athletic. We'll talk about that after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. You mentioned Horwat in the first segment. Jake Gensel currently leads the Pittsburgh Penguins in points. He has 34 points on the season in 30 games. He has 20 assists on the season in 30 games and also leading the Pittsburgh Penguins in that aspect. He's second on the team in goals behind only Sidney Crosby. Gensel has 14 in the first 30 games of the season, but... Yesterday, not a good sign for Pittsburgh Penguins fans, although you had to expect it at some point with the Penguins outside of the playoffs looking in close to the Christmas holiday. Reported by Chris Johnston and Josh Yoey, Gensel has popped up on the Athletics' latest trade targets list, currently leading the Penguins in a lot of areas like we just mentioned, but the Athletic currently has him marketed at a $10.5 million market value. 
he's only making $6 million a year. So clearly a massive asset for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The question becomes, Horwat, with him on this trade targets list, it's not like the Penguins are going to trade him anytime soon. Kyle Dubas said early last week that he's giving this team until around the All-Star break before he starts making decisions, at least externally. That's what he's saying. You don't think that he's going to make any moves with Jake Gensel probably until then, probably until the trade deadline. If you're trading Jake Gensel, it's not until the very last second whenever you have a chance to determine where you're at with this season because you don't trade him if you have any chance to make the playoffs. But the question becomes then, where do the Penguins need to be at the deadline for you to consider making this trade of Jake Gensel? To consider making the trade of Jake Gensel? Uh, you got to be just without hope, really. Uh, without hope of making that playoff run because he's in the postseason. He is a player that excels and has, has that extra level. Uh, you'd have to be looking at, you know, the, the abyss. You have to be staring down the barrel of the gun if you really are, uh, you know, on this consideration of trading Jake Gensel. Uh, because, yeah, you might get a return, but you're not going to get a return at the deadline this time around. It, like, it's... I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I think you go with... If you go to trade Jake Gensel at a $6 million cap hit as a rental, like you <sighs> mentioned, this guy is a playoff performer. One of the best first playoffs of a career as a rookie in the history of the NHL. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He 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 let he lit things up in 2018 as well against the Philadelphia Flyers. I would say you likely get a first round pick and probably more. Yeah, but I'm saying like what I've what I meant by my statement is yeah, you're going to get a return, but you're not going to get a useful return this year at this point. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. So because he, he is the piece that that teams need in the playoffs. Uh, he's that piece. If you, if the Penguins are on the market of trading Jake Gensel, you're getting futures. You're not getting the help us now piece. You're not getting the we are shaking up the room type deal that might also need to happen here. You know what I mean? You're not getting the we're trading a good player for a good player in hopes that something clicks a little more. Instead, this, this would be a deal of we're trading him now because we're out of options. We're thrown in the towel. That is, that is essentially what a Jake Gensel deal would be this year is raising the white flag. And where do you need to be for that? By the trade deadline, it would have to probably look like... I don't, it's hard to predict because the East is so tight. Mm -hmm. um, but what are you thinking? 10 points out? Maybe even fewer? See, 10, 10 points out. I would go fewer than 10 points out personally. You know, my, my marker that I, I looked at the standings today and where they're at currently is five points back with four teams between them and the second wild still card seven That's where in the, the Metro. Penguins currently sit. That's where they sit, but seventh in the Metro. My personal marker would be six point deficit at the deadline with three or more teams between them at a playoff spot. So that's, it's around where they're at right now. But at that point you have very little time to make up that, that, those, that deficit. And also we all know what happens in, in March and April you play a lot of division teams. You play a lot of teams that are in this race, and the Penguins have shown over the last couple of years that they struggle against those teams. They're playing one tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes. So they've shown that they struggle against these teams. So if they're six points back and there's three or more teams ahead of them in the fight, it's hard to jump these teams in the standings because you're hoping for all of these different teams to lose. That's my marker to start the conversation. 
to say, okay, what is out there? Because obviously that doesn't mean, all right, you know what? We're trading Jake Gensel. That's it. Because you have to get something good in return. Jake Gensel, you look at the return for certain players at the deadline over the last couple of years. And yes, some of this gets changed because it was the Tampa Bay Lightning who were willing to sell the farm for a Stanley Cup, selling their soul for a Stanley Cup. You look at some of the returns that teams have gotten for Tanner Janot. You look at some of the returns that, you know, the Lightning were giving people for Nick Paul. Jake Gensel is a much, much more valuable player than Tanner Janot and Nick Paul, especially in the playoffs when he's proven to be a guy that scores in bunches, scores big goals, scores in big games. That player is worth so much money. And when you talk about wanting to make sure that this Pittsburgh Penguins team doesn't have that big gap between this contention window and the next contention window, getting your first round pick that you traded Eric Carlson for would be huge. And also probably getting a top tier prospect that immediately becomes number one, two or three in your prospect system right now, potentially a player that could play next year as a young player, whether that be a forward, whether that be a defenseman, I think they're pretty set on goaltender. I like what I've seen from Yoel Blomqvist and Sergei Muraev has played pretty well over in Russia. So, forward or defenseman back. I think that that is a valuable move to make for your franchise. But again, like you mentioned, this is not a move you make in jest. This is a move you make because it's looking very, very dark on your opportunity to make the playoffs. Because if you have any chance, you owe it to these players, players being Crosby and Malkin, not to trade away the best player on the team right now because, hey, we're we're getting there, but we don't know if we're going to make the We don't know if we're going to make a Stanley Cup run. Because Crosby and Malkin and Carlson and Latang, they're players that are good enough to just so happen to carry a team on a run to the Stanley Cup. Once they get into the playoffs, that's what they can do. So you owe it to them if you're in a position to make the playoffs to keep Jake Gensel around. But if you're six points out, like I said, and there's three or more teams ahead of you, that's when you start making calls and having the conversations of, hey, what would you be willing to give us for Jake Gensel? And that's what I think Kyle Dubas is probably going to going to weigh is and it he has to answer the same question where do the penguins need to be at the all-star break or the trade deadline for him to start making those calls and start making that a reality yeah <clears throat> that's exactly what he has to do it's you can't you have to be you have to be looking into the abyss basically there's there's mm-hmm. no other choice you can't just pull the trigger on a deal like that and just let it be okay you have to be staring down the darkness because at the end of the day, it w- the next discussions that will always be had when it comes to this team is, all right, well, who are the easy trade pieces if they're trying to start their rebuild, if they're trying to kickstart that rebuild, which we all know is coming. They're, Jake Gensel probably is first on the list because you can get a ton of return from him because he still has some years left. Then it falls to the core. They're the next group of who can you ship off. And as of right now, it doesn't seem like Kyle Dubas or the or the ownership group have any plans of wanting to trade away a Malkin or a Latang. Crosby likely sticks around no matter how good or bad this team is. Mm-hmm. But you don't. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be in the position where next thing you know, all right, we're having this discussion that we're having about Gensel. We're having that discussion about Malkin. You don't want to be looking down the abyss so dark that it is. Hey, we're trying to get Evgeny Malkin another Stanley Cup ring or something like that. It's you have to make those decisions quickly, and this team needs to really improve itself. And that's kind of the situation they're in. Is once the first domino falls, there goes the rest of it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so this team needs to figure itself out, and as of right now, because he doesn't have that have that contract extension in place, um, Jake Ensel's going to be at the top of this trade board until the deadline, until the Penguins see where they're going, where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, maybe... Yeah, if things do, if the wheels do start falling off, I think the discussions will be had about who's next, whether it be Latang, yeah. Malkin, or damn, maybe Sidney Crosby. Uh, I, I, I think it's I, a little premature to say Sidney Crosby. He has so many good years yeah. left that something really, he needs. He'll probably want to see a couple of dark years before he's like, okay, fine, let me play with my buddy. Well, and here's the other thing too. Crosby has another year left on his contract. I don't think Crosby would leave with a year left on his contract specifically because Kyle Dubas has only had six months at this point to try to turn this around. If Crosby has faith in Kyle Dubas, giving him an off season to try to, to fix things for next season with a lot more cap space, with a lot more flexibility, you know, Jeff Carter's contract comes off the books and whether or not Jeff Carter continues to perform better and becomes an actual asset instead of a liability to this team is inconsequential because at the end of the day, no matter what Jeff Carter would resign for, and I know that's something that's a lot of people listen to this are now scared, he's not going to resign for what he's making now. You're going to get a lot more flexibility off of that contract. And, and I would imagine that one of those other bigger contracts probably comes off the books next year, whether that be Ricard Raquel's $5 million. I still can't believe that's a five. That's a six-year deal that has five more years left on it. You know, Obviously, Brian Russ still has one more year of a full no-move clause, so he's not going anywhere. But you know, the thing is, if, if it's Crosby or Malkin or Latang, and they're looking at saying, hey, we want another Stanley Cup opportunity, I think that Kyle Dubas has earned at least the opportunity to get a full offseason after having a full season to kind of try to shape what this team is going to look like. I think they would give him one more shot, especially with Crosby having one year left on his contract. But, I mean, to bring it back to the, the impetus of the conversation here, you mentioned that Jake Gensel doesn't have a contract extension in place. That's something else mentioned by both Chris Johnston and Josh Yoey yesterday in articles for The Athletic is no extension talks have even been reported between the Penguins and Jake Gensel. Does that worry you at all that they haven't even broached the subject at the meeting table? No. No, it doesn't. First of all, because contracts can get signed, A, at any point, uh, even into the offseason, they really can. It's not like, I mean, other offers may file in, uh, tampering-wise, uh, during an offseason, but no, I, that doesn't worry me too much, especially considering, the, it didn't shock me that they hadn't started considering Gensel was injured uh, mm-hmm. during a time whenever they maybe should have picked up. Okay, fine. Jake Gensel was hurt. Kyle Dubas said he wanted to see him return to health first. Mm-hmm. And then it became, well, now this team is kind of in a weird place. Can you, If you want to give your team the best opportunity for a good future, you're going to leave a player like that open for a trade situation, which is exactly what's going on. You don't want to all of a sudden lock up Gensel to, he, he could genuinely make $10 million. You don't want to. Plus, you didn't know what the salary cap was going to look like. Yeah. That's that could be another factor into it. But you still don't know. You still don't know. Yeah, you're you're. Yeah, Gary Bettman could pull the rug out from everybody. Exactly. It's projected to be three something, I think now, um, and maybe that's an easy three million dollars you just tack on to Jake Gensel's current six. But because you don't know how much that salary cap is going to go up, and it's still a bit of a gray area, you don't want to immediately jump and. Say, here's $10 million to Jake Gensel, poof. And next thing you know, the salary cap doesn't go up, and now you're handcuffed again. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is, in fairness, as, as much as the city and the team loves Jake Gensler around, Kyle Dubas has the right to build this team in his image. If Jake Gensel is not, quote-unquote, part of that image, that's his right. It, it, however he wants to lose him, that's, that is Kyle Dubas' mm. right to do. So yeah. I'm not... So it doesn't worry me, it doesn't shock me that contracts, contract talks and extension talks have not started. Mm-hmm. I would like them to. I do like Jake Gensel on this team. I do like what he does for this team. He's leading the team in points right now. He is more than deserving of those talks and a new deal. Mm-hmm. But so far, I'm not surprised and none of it scares me because this is exactly what Kyle Dubas is being smart about and has every right to do. Yeah, the the scariest scenario, and I think you know Kyle Dubas is catching a lot of flack for his signing of of Ryan Graves to a six year deal yeah. this off season. That right now is probably the one thing that is like the most disliked move of Kyle Dubas. If you go throughout the rest of the season, you don't trade Jake Gensel, you miss the playoffs, and he walks in free agency for nothing. <laughs> that would go right up there. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would go right up there as man, what are you, what are we doing here? Uh, but you talked a lot about. You know, not getting to the meeting table, not getting to the negotiating table from the Penguins situation, the Penguins side of things. If you're looking at Jake Gensel's side of things, you're saying, all right, well, I understand why you didn't want to negotiate while I was recovering from ankle surgery leading up to the season. Something that had been bothering him through last season, and he tried to to try to play through and tried to heal on his own, and then he gets surgery. So I get that if I'm Jake Gensel, but also you start the season, he immediately was red hot. So his... Agents probably looking at this and saying, I mean, Sidney Crosby's on a MVP type of run here and you're outpacing him in assists and goals. Uh, maybe we should wait. <laughs> maybe we should wait and see how good of a season you can get because every time Jake Gensel lights the lamp, that's more money in his next contract. And, and right now, 34 points in 30 games, 14 goals in 30 games. He's certainly on pace to have close to, if not a career season doing that in a contract year. I know he's a little bit older and an eight year contract is going to be scary. Cause what's he going to look yeah. like at 36 years old? Yo, he mentioned that as well. And I was like, Hey, that's a, it's a good point. Yeah. That is a very good point. Cause uh, he's already, you know, I think he's 30 years old. If not, he's knocking on 30s door, but you know, Having a career season as a top-line left wing, it's going to command a lot of money. Yeah. So let it play out if you're J- Jake Gensel. You know, obviously, I get what you said from the Penguin side of things. That, hey, keep that flexibility. If things don't go well, this is a major trade piece. We've talked about it. But from Jake Gensel's side, it's like, hey, at this point, I have the playoff track record. I have a Stanley Cup under my belt, and I'm having a career season. Let's see how good this can get. Because he's also playing with Sidney Crosby, which is a little bit of protection against falling off. Because Sidney Crosby, as we've seen, very rarely falls off. And his connection with Jake Gensel is tremendous. So, obviously something that neither of us want to see. Jake Gensel is one of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League. One of the ones that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. He's a 40-goal guy twice in his career. He's a perennial 30-goal scorer. He's, He's pretty much locking up that this year if he can continue to stay healthy and play at the pace that he's playing. So, obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins need Jake Gensel to get anywhere, similar to how they need Evgeny Malkin to get anywhere. So, we'll have to obviously monitor where that goes and if if talks start to heat up or if he starts to get a little bit more chatter on the trade wire because right now this is the first inkling of it and it's going to make it something to monitor leading up to the trade deadline here in a couple months. It will. We'll have to take take close consideration of it, keep a good eye on it. It's, like I said, it's a frightening dark abyss that the Penguins are kind of walking alongside of at the moment. 
they yeah. don't know if that hard right turn is gonna gonna take place. It's they have to find a way to not look at it because it's it's there. <laughs> it, that the road will eventually make that cut, but um, they have to try and fend that off as much as possible. Yep, we'll have to keep an eye on Jake Gensel. Kyle Dubas and the entire Pittsburgh Penguins situation, as we tend to do here on a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, speaking of Kyle Dubas, he talked to Josh Getzoff on the weekly or bi-weekly, whatever it is, GM show presented by Highmark. He had a lot of interesting things to say. We're going to talk about some of that after this final break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Horwat, we're leading up to Christmas at this point. We're going to have a special episode coming out on Christmas featuring Jeff Taylor of the Fly Penguins Fly podcast. I already recorded that one, so it's in the hopper for you guys to unwrap on Christmas morning. What, in your opinion, I don't know where I was going with that, so let's just continue. I don't know. I was trying to bring something Christmas into it. Nothing came to my head. Just completely blank, and that's where we're at the week before Christmas. Not favorite Christmas movie, overrated part of Christmas, or like maybe a Christmas album. I, I mean, I love. This I don't know. I mean, season. we did fa- we we did favorite Christmas movie. I think it was last year. It's probably disgusted. We've had this podcast for like five years now. <laughs> yeah, at some point. I mean, you go in the circle this many times. You you can only discuss Christmas topics so many times on these podcasts. But hey. It's a great holiday season. Do you have all your wrapping done? That's what I wanted to ask. Do you have all your Christmas shopping and all your all your wrapping done? Okay, actually, so uh, yes and no. Uh, I okay. still have like I think one or two more things to get. I'm pretty sure I know exactly what they're gonna be. Megan and I have done have done our Christmas already, so the important yep. one is done. Uh, now it's oh. just a matter of getting around to the family and. Uh, uh, other for the most part though yes it's mostly done the important stuff is handled um mm-hmm. gifts have been exchanged it's now just a matter of uh getting to see and hang out with the family over mm-hmm. the holiday break that won't be super long the penguins play on the 23rd and the 27th yeah yeah they give a they give you a couple days there though yeah. but uh no you're not a you're not a head to the mall on the saturday before christmas type of guy oh, i hate doing that if anything i'm <laughs> if anything i'm doing a, the last bit tomorrow Yep, I'm down to. I'm gonna do the last bit today. I I just need to get cards. Like that's the only thing I need to get. I have everything else. I got got everything else situated. Everything else wrapped. Well, my wife did all the wrapping because she's better at it than me. But you know, got everything. We're good. We're we're all set. It's nice. So if you have your last minute shopping to do, you know, put in a headphone, listen to the tip of the iceberg, and, and get going because it is coming quicker uh, than I think I ever expected. I mean, I can't believe it's already the 21st. But hey, you know, that's a good thing because it's gonna be lighter more every day and i'm gonna be a lot happier as a human being but we talked about the fact that we're gonna discuss kyle dubas sitting down with josh Getzoff of the pittsburgh penguins radio network and of sportsnet pittsburgh they talked on the gm show yesterday a lot about the pittsburgh penguins defense so let's run through some of the main talking points on some of these interesting defensemen that they mentioned we're not going to go too deep on each of these but one of the ones that i found very interesting was what kyle dubas said about ryan shea obviously ryan shea had played a handful of games games in a row simply because P.O. Joseph was injured. Also, Chad Ruedel was injured, which gave Ryan Shea an opportunity. But at the end of the day, he earned his spot 
out of training camp. He performed well in training camp and in the preseason, earned the opportunity to be at the NHL level, and then because of injury, got the opportunity to come into the NHL action and get his first stint under his belt in the National Hockey League. Dubas mentioned that Shea started to, quote, get into a groove where he's planned not to make mistakes and just doesn't want to get sent down. And the Penguins need more than that. And that's the thing that he mentioned happens a lot with these players that are getting their first opportunity in the NHL. They come up, they have that quick burst of energy, and then they start to play not to make mistakes. They start to play not to be the guy that gets pointed out and gets sent down. So I thought that was interesting that the Pittsburgh Penguins now sending Ryan Shea back to Wilkes-Barre. He did pass through waivers. He is down in Wilkes-Barre, and they're giving him an opportunity to really build back up and, and try to get back to where he was when he first started playing with the Penguins and getting that first you know NHL debut and a couple of games afterwards. Yeah, I think Ryan Shea earned his spot, and then as a you know third-line third pairing defenseman you're not expected to do too much um but you have to still kind of cement yourself make make make, be a bold player and really you know set yourself up for success and he just wasn't doing too much that it really was just uh he always walked around on thin ice it seems don't make the mistakes don't make the mistakes don't make the mistakes rather than don't make mistakes but also you know get proven to be an nhler it was it just looked like a call up for 22 games. Yeah. And at the same time, Kyle Dubas has talked a lot about competition this year mm-hmm. and there's going to be competition on that third pairing. And what he said a couple weeks ago was we want people to come in and take that opportunity and just take those spots playing not to get sent down. Isn't necessarily taking that spot. It's just trying to hold on to it by any means necessary. Yeah. And, and there's a difference there. There's a difference in mindset. There's a difference in performance there. And that's what I think, you know, Ryan Shea fell a victim to is, Hey, I have this spot. I'm winning this competition as of right now, but I can't make these mistakes because when Joseph comes back or Ruidl comes back, if I'm making mistakes, I'm going to get replaced. Or like you mentioned, there's six guys in the AHL that have played in the NHL before. Somebody back there will take my spot if I keep making mistakes. So, you know, there's a there's a tighter grip on the stick when something like that happens, and that can lead to turnovers, that can lead to poor play, and that can lead to even worse than, you know, not worse than turnovers. Turnovers are pretty bad. But it can lead to conservative play, which doesn't help the Penguins just as much as turning the puck over doesn't help the Penguins, right? Because if you're too conservative, you're not creating anything offensively, and that's where the Pittsburgh Penguins are right now is they're not creating enough on the offensive end of the things. So, you know, that all leads to Ryan Shea and where he's currently situated, which is back in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Probably not the last we'll see of him. We'll have to obviously monitor what he does down in the AHL as we've monitored what Jack Rathbone has done, what Ty Smith has done down there, because these are all options for the Penguins if their third pairing does not persist. Another defenseman that he mentioned a little bit higher in the lineup, a little bit more secured in his lineup spot, is Marcus Pedersen. Not much to go on here. He just said, outside of Crosby and Gensel, Marcus Pedersen has been our most consistent player all season long. Couldn't agree more. I think Marcus Pedersen, a lot of people are noticing him this year simply because, like we mentioned before the season started, he's playing with Eric Carlson. You're going to get more eyes on you, obviously, when there's so many more odd man rushes and you're the one back on the three-on-one and you break plays off more often than not. You're going to get a lot of praise, and that's where Marcus Pedersen is this season. Yeah, he's it's it's finally really waking up for him. I think the first couple of seasons excuse me, of his tenure in Pittsburgh have weren't phenomenal. They were very much, he's at the top of the trade board every time around. It is the easy piece that you can move out because he's a young, skillful, uh, could have been a solid enough two-way defenseman, but mostly a stay-at-home, steady guy. And it took until last year uh, you know, for everything to sort of wake up and go in the proper direction. He 
caught mm-hmm. regular a lot more playing time at a regular pace. Played with on the first line with Crystal Tang and uh, did really well in that position. This time around, it was Eric Carlson, where again, where he had to take some of those things he learned while playing with Chris Letang and amplify them for himself, and he did a great job mm-hmm. in doing it. And it's part of what has earned him this elevation to the first line. It seems like an elevation more to the to the first line more than a demotion for Ryan Graves. Really, it's like that's mm-hmm. how good Marcus Pedersen has played and how much he can be a first line uh, defenseman alongside Chris Letang, where there's familiarity, there's uh, a level of consistency that has been proven. So yeah, it's he is the most he is absolutely among the most consistent players that uh, this roster has right now. Yeah, you mentioned that him going up to Crystal Tang and being on first pairing. If Ryan Graves can step his game up and get closer to what we've seen from Marcus Pedersen, again, it's going to be hard for him to emulate what Marcus Pedersen has done because they're different players, they have different styles. But if he can play closer to that level or at least closer to the performance that earned him that contract, it's going to go back to what Mike Sullivan likes to say is, guess what, there's no line numbers. Yeah, we put it out there on a a sheet for everybody because it's easy to keep track of, but we have two first pairing defense players on our team. Like if Ryan Graves can be that good or can be similar to that good, maybe not that good because Marcus Pedersen has been, you know, phenomenal all season long. If he can get better and elevate his game to be on the same level or a similar level as those other three, Penguins are going to be golden on defense, having two first pairings, obviously with the offensive skill set of Chris Letang and this other player that, that was mentioned yesterday, just a quick quote here from, from Dubas yesterday, quote, Eric Carlson's not even scratching the surface of what he could bring and what we expect him to bring. 22 points in 30 games. He has had, you know, ups and downs this season, but not even scratching the surface does make me think and make me obviously realize that there is more for Carlson to give, and that's scary considering he has been very good for the most part this season. Yeah, I'm curious about what the about the part of the quote there was expect, expected um, from him. What, what probably power play <laughs> probably that would have to be it i mean are you expecting him to step up defensively i think he's already exceeded defensive expectations at times yeah i mean again we keep saying that but man were the expectations so low they were and i still think there are moments where you go <clears throat> where you look at it and say oh he's actually not terrible defensively he, when he mm-hmm. is put in this system where you have no choice but to play a bit more defensively or mike sullivan's not going to put you on his good side um he has stepped up and done pretty decent things defensively. Maybe there's some errant passes here and there, but I think that's um, maybe his offensive mindset taking over. I don't know. I'm trying to speak highly of Chris of uh, Eric Carlson Eric. while whilst uh, knowing that he is still among one of the most polarizing players in the league and on this team. Yeah, there's times he can be a sieve in the defensive zone, but of course, that's, that's the Eric Carlson experience. That's been the Eric Carlson experience since 2010, so... Uh, not expecting that to, to turn around anytime soon, but obviously if he can get going on the point side of things, that's a huge thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If he can get going when it comes to facilitating on the power play, that'd be huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, if Kyle Dubas is right and he's not even scratched the surface of his potential here, then that's uh, that, that marks good things if he can start to do so in the second half of the season. Uh, the last thing that Kyle Dubas mentioned, we talked a lot about defense. He talked a little bit about some young forwards in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, one of them at the NHL level, one of them currently heading over to Sweden for the IIHF World Junior Championships. We'll start with the one that's in Pittsburgh, and that's Valtteri Pustin in the talk of the town. We talked about him in the first segment. When asked if he's done enough to stick by Josh Getzoff, Kyle Dubas said he's going to have to for a while. And then he paused, and then he said, or at least until Brian Rust returns. That doesn't sound good for Brian Rust. That doesn't sound great. Uh, 
Or at least until I also that's a weird quote too. Or at least until Brian Russ returns. I mean, you mean to tell me you're gonna keep a guy like Redeems a Horner or Danson Harkins in the lineup over Valtteri Pustinen? Well, he like, also alluded. He also alluded to the fact that once Brian Rust returns, it'll become more of a competition between Rust, Raquel, and Valtteri Pustin down the right side. Which I would assume, especially if he continues to play at the level that he's playing, that Redeem Zahorna is not going to get a lineup spot over Valtteri Pustin. For sure, I would hope not. But you, uh, but that's kind of the way that I, in my mind, kind of rolled with it is mm-hmm. because we, because as long as Kyle Dubas didn't directly say, well, Brian Rust is going to be out for a long time. Um, he's still on a week-to-week basis. He could be back next week for all we know. Or yeah, because he can. He can't. He's on LTIR. He's on LTIR until like the first game of January, something like that. Yeah. So for about another two weeks or so. Um, but again, that just pretty much reads to me as if he's, if Brian Russ is healthy and that's and that is what kicks, pushing out of the lineup over a guy like Harkins or, uh. Zahorna, that doesn't sit well with me, but also that's probably not what he meant, and I'm just kind of reading into yeah. the nonsense on the wall. But that being said, I, I we like what Poussin has done, and maybe that doesn't bode well for Brian Rust in, in that sort of statement. Yeah, we'll have to obviously sit and sit back and wait and actually hope for actual updates on Brian Rust. He hasn't even got back to skating yet, so we'll obviously monitor that situation. But, you know, when I hear he's going to have to for a while, or at least until Brian Rust returns, that to me signifies that Brian Rust is not returning any time in the near future. Now, again, maybe reading into it, but that's how I think both of us took that statement is, oh, Brian Rust, that doesn't sound good. Uh, for Brian Rust's injury. But, I mean, hey, look at Valtteri Pustin and what he's done in his first five games. Four points. He had a two-point performance on Monday. He's the talk of the town. Everybody likes him. Penguins fans have been clamoring for a young star, maybe not star, young player to come up and make a significant impact, particularly on the score sheet. They haven't had that in the longest time. Getting that from Valtteri Pustin and getting that from somebody who was a seventh-round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins it is just such a breath of fresh air for the Penguins fan base, such a breath of fresh air for the Penguins organization, and obviously everybody wants to see him continue to get his opportunities. As we talked earlier, I mean, him and Malkin seem to be hitting it off pretty pretty well, and, and that bodes well for Terry Pustin, because if Malkin likes him, Malkin respects him, it's going to be hard to take him off Malkin's line without Malkin saying something, and whether you believe it or not, these guys, Malkin, Crosby, Latang, their voice has a lot of weight in that locker room, their voice has a lot of weight in the GM's chair, because you know Kyle Dubas, the one thing that we've heard about him is he is very receptive to others' opinions. He's definitely going to be listening to the ones of Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby when thinking about Valtteri Pustin and what he's been able to do, not just on the second line. Let's not forget, power play started clicking when Valtteri Pustin joined that unit. So we'll have to monitor that situation as well. Let's finish it off with his comments on Braden Yeager. He also talked about a lot of other stuff. So if you want to hear exactly what... Jim, Kyle Dubas had to say about the Pittsburgh Penguins' current state, about all these players and more. Go check out the GM show from Kyle Dubas and obviously Josh Getzoff. It was on a Josh Getzoff Twitter account, so you can go check it out on there. But he also talked a little bit about Braden Yeager. World Junior starts next week, December 26th, Boxing Day, the beginning of World Juniors. The Penguins have a high-profile prospect performing in this tournament for the first time, seemingly in a very, very long time. Braden Yeager heading to World Juniors. When asked about it, Kyle Dubas mentioned that 
You know, they like that he made the World Juniors. It's a great thing for him. It's a great opportunity, a great experience for Braden Yeager, great growing experience and growth opportunity for Braden Yeager. But he also mentioned they want to have an eye on what he can do now. All right, you made the team. Now what? Now what do you do? He's 18 years old on an under-20 team. Can he carve out a role on Team Canada? Can he help them to a gold medal? And then Kyle Dubas also mentioned, can he take that back to Moose Jaw and help them towards a championship? So they're keeping a very, very close eye on Braden Yeager, as they should, first-round pick of this year's draft. But going to be interesting to see what he's able to do with the opportunity in Sweden, obviously the Penguins just mentioned that they're going to be keeping a very close eye on Team Canada and what Braden Yeager can do. As they should. As they should. A, because it is a highly touted Penguins prospect in that tournament. We haven't seen one like that in a long time. We had that discussion before. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because he, because Braden Yeager entered this organization with such a high pedigree already of here's some pretty extreme not extreme but pretty up there expectations pretty elevated expectations that he now has to continue to meet i think he's already meeting them at the whl level as they continue to watch that pretty closely um and that now just has to translate into onto the international stage against some of the i mean the whl skill level isn't what it look is it's great it's decent enough but i mean hitting the international stage is each country's best of best of the best until you hit the Olympics and then it's weird. But this is a best on best tournament for his peers. If he can prove to be just as good, if not better than a lot of his peers, then there's really a lot that can be said about how good this player will be, especially in a tournament like this, where there is a ton on the line. It is one of the most popular hockey tournaments of the calendar year for Mm -hmm. it's up. It's always up there. So yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what he can do. It's important for him to really stake a claim in that team as well as as well as the one he's uh, already done a pretty good job at uh, the WHL level. Yeah, he has 41 points in 28 games for the Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. So certainly positive updates on one Braden Yeager, a player that a lot of people in Pittsburgh are keeping their eye on. A lot of, a lot of Moose Jaw fans in Pittsburgh this year. I wonder why. Uh, but... Congratulations to Braden Yeager on making World Juniors. I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Team Canada opens up their tournament in the preliminary round for themselves on December 26th, Boxing Day, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you're not hungover from Christmas, you can flip on NHL Network and watch Braden Yeager and Team Canada. I think they play... I don't remember who they play in the first game. But hey, you listen, it's going to be a going to be a fun tournament, always is, and we'll have to keep an eye out for Braden Yeager, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Have a very, very Merry Christmas, very happy holidays to you. Make sure it's safe. Make sure it's fun. And we'll talk to you guys a little bit later. We'll see if the Pittsburgh Penguins can get a couple more wins before the Christmas break. They play tonight, third Jersey Thursday against the Carolina Hurricanes. And then they have the struggling Ottawa Senators and former Pittsburgh Penguins assistant Jacques Martin coming up on Saturday to lead into the holiday. So that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.